Good morning and welcome to the Berean Post devotional podcast, where we take a deep dive into the scriptures to find new insights and practical application for our modern lives. I'm your host, Duane, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you with us today. Each day we'll explore a different passage from the Bible, unpacking its meaning and exploring how it can guide our lives for today. So grab your Bible, your favorite drink, and get ready for an exciting journey of discovery. And if you want to stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts and blogs, be sure to check out brilliantpost.ca. Also, join our Facebook group where we call ourselves Bright Future Bible Freaks, and we have a lot of fun there together. But right now, we're going to get started and jump right into today's devotional. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Brian Post um, devotional uh, podcast. For those of you that have been following along, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. We are in chapter 2 and we're going to be looking at verses 15 to 16. And as is my custom, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into the text. In verse 15, Paul says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may be that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So let's summarize this passage into four points. A spiritual person can discern, scrutinize, and evaluate all things. That would be the first point. A spiritual person cannot be rightly scrutinized or judged or fully understood by anyone else. Uh, that would be the second point. The third would be the mind of the Lord is beyond the complete knowledge and comprehension of any human being. And then lastly, believers have been bestowed with the mind of Christ. So that would be a summary of, of this verse. In this passage, the Apostle Paul affirms that a spiritual person can judge everything. However, it's, it's crucial to clarify that this does not imply a license for personal judgments of others in the sense of where their eternal destiny will be, nor can we make judgments on people's hearts or intentions. Paul's not suggesting that individuals who claim to be spiritual can freely criticize and condemn others without consequence. Unfortunately, there have been instances where some individuals within the church have misinterpreted this passage and used it as a justification for their own judgmental behavior. Such a misunderstanding is completely unfounded. In this passage, Paul means that the spiritual believers, those guided by the Holy Spirit and who possess deep spiritual understanding and insight, can evaluate and discern the things of God. They have a keen discernment for truth and righteousness. But what is the basis for the evaluation and discernment? The answer to that question can be found in the preceding verses. Paul discusses God's wisdom and the Holy Spirit's indispensable role in guiding the believers. Spiritual believers are equipped to evaluate and discern God's things because they recognize God's surpassing wisdom even if it appears to be foolish. They rely on the revelation and guidance of the Holy Spirit in understanding spiritual truth. Moreover, they 
have access to the mind of Christ through the indwelling of the, the Holy Spirit. So when Paul states no one can rightly judge a spiritual person, he, he conveys that the true judgment or evaluation of a person's actions and motivations ultimately rests with God alone. This does not mean spiritual individuals are exempt from all forms of accountability or criticism, but rather emphasizes that human judgment alone cannot fully comprehend or accurately assess the inner workings of a spiritual person's heart, mind, and alignment with God's wisdom. Paul highlights the unique relationship between a spiritual person and God. The spiritual individuals guided by the Holy Spirit and possessing a deep understanding of spiritual matters have their actions and motivations aligned with God's will. Their discernment and decisions are based on the mind of Christ. Since God knows the depths of their hearts and the fullness of their intention, human judgment is limited in its capacity to evaluate their spiritual state rightly. <clears throat> well, this may come as a shock to the reader or listener, and, and um, uh, though one may even be offended at the following statement, nevertheless it's true. Are you ready for it? We're not the best judges of our own spirituality. Consider the, the following text. This can be found in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 3 to 4. But with me, it's a very small thing that I, should judge, uh, that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but, I'm, uh, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul acknowledges that even, uh, that even he does not have the full knowledge and understanding of his own spiritual condition. He says, my conscience is clean, but that does not mean I'm not guilty or that I'm not doing anything wrong. God will be the ultimate judge. So Paul recognizes the ultimate judgment belongs to the Lord's, not human beings. We would all walk a little lighter if we truly understood the point made here by Paul. So here, friends, the question put to us is, do we promote ourselves as spiritual giants in our uh, desperate times, or do we see ourselves as spiritually uh, legendary in our own minds? Perhaps we should cons uh, consider agreeing to find agreement with the following text. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. For those following our series, you'll remember our study in Colossians 2.16 where the apostle says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in, in questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. Paul advises believers not to let others pass judgment on matters that pertain to their spiritual practices. This suggests that the, the judgment of others may be insufficient or misguided when it comes to understanding the nuances of a person's spiritual life. Now, he says no one can fully know or comprehend the mind of the Lord. Regarding this point, Isaiah 5, uh, 55, 8 and 9 powerfully expresses the distinction between God's thoughts and ways compared to those of human beings. The verse declares, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It serves as a reminder of the vast disparity between the mind of God and our limited human understanding. 
and it emphasizes God's thoughts and ways are beyond our comprehension. Now, we must recognize that we are not God. His ways, thoughts, and actions surpass our understanding in every aspect, except for what He has chosen to reveal to us. This is why we have the concept of revelation. God in His grace has chosen to make certain aspects of Himself known to us, and the most comprehensive revelation of God today can be found in the person of Jesus Christ and the historical reality of His resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, we gain deeper understanding of God's character and His redemptive plan for humanity. We must humbly acknowledge our limitations as human beings and rely on God's revelation, particularly through Jesus Christ and His resurrection. These serve as profound insights into the mind of God and His purpose for humanity. Paul goes on to say believers have been granted the mind of Christ. Here Paul is expressing that those who are spiritual are guided by the Holy Spirit and have access to the mind of Christ. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, believers receive divine wisdom and insight, enabling them to think and discern as Christ would. This, this does not mean that believers possess the exact knowledge and understanding of all things as Christ does, but rather that they have the capacity to think and perceive in alignment with His character and teachings. Paul discusses the renewal of the mind in Romans 12.1, where he encourages believers to be transformed by the renewing of their mind, which leads to a deeper understanding of God's will. This transformation occurs through the work of the Holy Spirit within believers, shaping the thoughts and aligning them with the mind of Christ. Believers are indeed granted the mind of Christ through the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit, enabling them to think, discern, and understand through the wisdom and the perspective of Christ. The real question before us today is not whether or not we have it, but whether or not we want it. What is the mind of Christ, according um, only to the writings of the New Testament? Well, humility. Paul emphasizes the importance of humility, pointing to Christ as the ultimate examples in Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Paul encourages believers to have the same mindset as Christ, who humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant and obediently submitting to the will of God. And then there's selfless, selflessness and love. Paul highlights the selfless love demonstrated by Christ. In Galatians 2.20, uh, he speaks of Christ's sacrificial love, stating, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Compassion and mercy. Paul emphasizes Christ's compassion and mercy towards others. In Ephesians 4.32, he encourages believers to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving just as Christ forgave them. Obedience to God. Christ's obedience to the will of the Father has, uh, is a central theme in Paul's writings. In Philippians 2.8, Paul highlights Christ's obedience even to the point of death on the cross. And then there is servanthood. Paul teaches believers to adopt a servant's heart following Christ's example. In 2 Corinthians 8.9, uh, he speaks of Christ's voluntary poverty and stating, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that through, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The mind and attitude of Christ encompasses humility, selflessness, love, compassion, mercy, obedience to God, and a servant's heart. Today, let's reflect on these qualities and rely on the transforming power of the Holy Spirit 
to conform us into the likeness of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Brian Post Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion and it's brought you some encouragement and insight. Hey, if you want to stay up to date with all of our latest blogs, posts, and podcast episodes, be sure to visit brianpost.ca and subscribe. Don't forget to share our website with your friends who might need some inspiration or motivation. You can also join our community of bright future Bible freaks on Facebook. Until next time, may peace and blessings abound in your home. Thank you.